when I see someone who can pick up something that we've made and use it and bring it to life properly it is really exciting and a bit magical yeah and, it's, and I mean when you get like a team of performers that come together yeah and then you know they rehearse and then you see this living thing and everyone's just just working together yeah. in unison and it's just and you're seeing this object just come to life is it's it's brilliant it's quite a special moment isn't it yeah really cool Ever wondered what the creative process is behind the films, TV shows and theatre productions you watch? Well, Crew Chats is a new podcast going behind the scenes and chatting to the crew that help make these productions. I'm Poonam and I usually work in the costume department. Whenever I tell people what I do, they're always fascinated. So I thought, wouldn't it be cool to hear more from the wonderful people who work behind the scenes to make the films and shows we all love? Today's guests are Becky Johnson and Paul Vincent, who are the directors of character creation company Stitches and Glue. They both, alongside their company work, are also freelance makers in the film, TV and theatre industry. Becky studied technical effects and makeup for the Performing Arts at London College of Fashion. In her final year of university, Becky had the opportunity to work on the film The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy and has subsequently worked in the film industry, working on productions such as Assassin's Creed, Star Wars The Last Jedi and Ready Player One, to name a few. Paul studied illustration specialising in character design and puppets for film and animation at Westminster University. After graduating, Paul began his career by making character mascot costumes and went on to become a puppet maker for a number of puppet studios. His film work has included Thor The Dark World, Rogue One A Star Wars Story and X-Men First Class. Paul started Stitches and Glue whilst at university and it subsequently became a platform for Paul's own puppet projects, but is now the company within which Becky and Paul design and make bespoke puppets and creature costumes for film, TV and theatre. They have worked on productions such as Netflix's Dark, The Dark Crystal, The Age of Resistance, a worldwide theatre production of Disney's The Little Mermaid and The Stranger Things Secret Cinema Immersive Experience, to name a few. Hi Becky, hi Paul. Hello. Hello. Lovely to have you both on the podcast. I'm very excited about our conversation. Oh, it's great to be here. <laughs> Thank you. Um, so I'm going to stop with, you're both directors of the company Stitches and Glue, which is a character creation company. Could you both describe what that involves and what you do? Okay, well, we um, essentially, we realise designs and characters into three-dimensional forms, um, whether it be CGI motion capture puppets or wearable creature costumes. Whether it's got, so it's got someone a performer inside the whole thing, or just their arm, or like no one's involved at all, and it's some rods. It's just about uh, realizing a creature or a character and bringing it to life. And how did uh, Stitches and Glue come to fruition? Paul starts. Yeah. So when, so when I was at university studying illustration, tutors always encouraged us to be a brand stand out you know have a usp to kind of stand out amongst many others so my degree i was always making things three-dimensional illustration and making puppets and stuff like that and i kind of wanted to focus on the actual um, process of what i was doing so kind of stitches and glue seemed to fit really it kind of that's what my work seemed to be the process was all about really Mm. um and then since then it's stuck and the actual the the brand is, is has been a real great platform to kind of explore ideas not only have we made puppets and costumes and stuff like that we make kind of collectible kind of art toys and um, we can explore our own kind of storytelling so it's it's kind of provided a great platform to do that. I met Paul uh, and joined the company 10 years ago from there we just got bigger and bigger. Yeah we've just been just having a lot of fun and making things and, and lucky enough people have asked us to make things for them and it's 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 been yeah. great 
first married couple of the podcast, guys. Yeah. Now you both also, in tandem with your company, um, work in the film, theatre, and television world as well. How, what do you both do in those worlds? So in the film world, we are more often than not involved with the creature department. Uh, yeah, so creature effects. I mean, that can be anything from a creature suit, like we were saying, you know, putting some sort of a performer in a, an entire suit or it's making a puppet or just a prop, I suppose, Yeah. sometimes. And then also we get involved in the costume department. So muscle suits and costume proppy things so the odds as well uh yeah leathery bits and pieces and masks yeah all sorts of stitches and gluing <laughs> yeah it's, i mean there's there's a there's a massive overlap yeah working on these bigger movie productions that we get to work with incredible um creatives you know um like yourself and and others where we get to kind of share experiences and learn from them yeah um definitely and that's kind of all, all part of it. that's the great thing about our industry is you just you're working alongside other talented people and it's and it's the, on a personal level and it's it's great yeah you guys are very versatile in what you do in terms of how you can go between different departments and yeah, I think it's just sort of applying your skills in different areas because you're kind of just whatever wherever you go you're kind of bringing things together fabrication you're kind of either making two hard bits work together on a body or you're trying to create something soft to hold out a shape be wearable I think the actual puppets in general incorporate so many skills whether it be, you know, you're making a costume for a puppet or you're, mm. you're making the mechanics of a puppet or your artwork in the puppet. And I think that's kind of what drew me to it, really, is 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 the fact that you have to have such a, a broad range yeah, of skills. Of, of skills yeah. Which makes it, you know, makes it even more interesting yeah. as, as a maker. That's the most attractive bit is that yeah. you, you get to do so many different things and yeah. make it work. Yeah. <laughs> It's super interesting what you guys have done. It's so vastly vast, so vastly vast. Is that a phrase? It's vast so vast. vast. <laughs> it's so vastly vast. It's so vast that it's really interesting that you're able to use different skills, learn different skills, and also mm. be surrounded by people that have so many different skills as well, and learn and incorporate those. Yeah. Um, so, what fascinates people about puppetry, and what draws people to it? Do you think? I, I think it's the allure of, of the handmade and, and also kind of bringing to life animating inanimate objects to help tell a story. Puppets always mystifying to an audience. And I think, we're yeah, we're just we're just intrigued by it, I think. Is a... Yeah, and I think sort of in comparison to the slickness of CG, you know, how it, it just looks real on the television. Yeah, and everything is kind of perfect. I think, For... I think puppetry is isn't maybe it's it's kind of it's just well, you, got can, a... you can you can see how it happens yeah. so when you go to the theater show and you there's a puppet being used in a bunraku manner and you can see the puppeteers behind performing there's is something really special about it and I get to, you get to appreciate because you can see yeah what goes into the, it, the effort and the puppeteers have always got such an incredible like focus on what they are performing and put so much into it and even though quite often puppets in theatre just have one expression you know they can have animatronics and stuff in their face but yeah. more often than not they just have this one expression and it's just through the complete like the subtle simplistic movements that they do 
express how that puppet's feeling yeah, and breathing life into it, yeah. an object is quite it, and, and being able to produce something that moves as it should so it can perform those moves is really exciting when so I can't puppeteer when I see someone who can pick up something that we've made and use it and bring it to life properly it is really exciting and a bit magical yeah and, it's, and I mean when you get like a team of performers that come together yeah and then you know they rehearse and then you see this living thing and everyone's just just working together yeah. in unison and it's just and you're seeing this object just come to life is it's it's brilliant it's quite a special moment isn't it yeah really cool and then they break it <laughs> <laughs> i did tell you yeah. <laughs> I, I can imagine it's incre incredibly gratifying and satisfying to see something that you've made and put together to then come alive like you guys say it's put it's personified in a way isn't it and yeah. that's and the the puppeteer i guess gives them that um you've given them the scope but they they then give it the yeah. that human the touch to it yeah yeah. exactly um how do you begin if someone's if a designer or a, a director or whoever it is that is giving you a brief how do you begin with the process of making a puppet yeah in our our jobs we uh luckily get to sort of work the puppet through from beginning to end so we know everything about it mm. the so i think it's very concept driven the most important thing is it has to move correctly so there'll be a lot of uh, studying of the anatomy of the creature I mean more often than not it can somehow it, you know if it's a completely fantastical creature we can look at something similar Sim you know like a, like a horse and see how joints work and which mm. way, the way all the knees swing backwards and stuff like that you know yeah. it, it can be related over so we'll do We'll do that. Recently, we have, um, well, I suppose over the last couple of years, we've been doing the 3D printing. So Paul is in charge of this department. Yeah, so <laughs> lots of lots of jobs recently. We've, we've kind of we've been working with um, visual effects. They vary from job to job, but yeah, a visual, visual effects department will come to us and they've got this already um, formed character and it moves a certain way. And then we would then look at their kind of footage that they've put together and then work almost work backwards and try and make that work practically with a, you know, handheld physical mm. make, which is which brings, you know, another level of kind of problem solving and layers of, of issues to resolve. But it, it's fun as uh, fun as well. You know, it's um, Dark Crystal, for instance, uh, we, we both worked on the new uh, Netflix Dark Crystal, and that was a real marrying of um, visual effects and practical effects. And it was kind of the perfect example of the two coming together and working really well. So that was, I think, really encouraging. In, in particular, as a character called Law, um, who was started off very much as a, a visual effects character. And he wasn't going to be a puppet. And um, the whole team felt very strongly that it would be a brilliant puppet. And um, yeah, I think they've been they were, they were toying with the idea for for a long time before we even came onto the project. Mm. But, but the by the time that the creature department was up and running, I think they still thought it was it was going to be a visual effects thing, um, just because of the the way that it moved. And I don't think they physically thought that it could be done. So we said. Can we have a go? Yeah. And they, the I think they gave us six weeks to proof of concept. And um, I went back into the workshop. I said, good luck, Paul. And <laughs> um, 
he did it. Uh, it, was, it was amazing. So they had the creature in the computer walking. So it had this walk cycle that it had to do. And to yeah, the, so the character itself was, it was, quite, it was designed by Brian Froud. Then a company called DNEG kind of conceptualised that as a, as a digital working kind of model. And it had a already an existing walk cycle and the rocks would move a certain way. And it had a character, a character it, developed, had yeah, along with uh, Louis, the director. They'd, they'd formed this character. So we had this digital kind of working puppet, worked great on the computer, but how could we then take that and make it work practically? So it was... To have a walk cycle, I studied it over and over again, and you know the way that the rocks kind of moved, and but it was it was kind of fun to work that as to that as a brief. You know, having that and like right, okay, so this needs to move that, so then that in, that impacted the design of it. So that was quite fun actually to to, to go from that side of things and, and make it practically, yeah. and then as well as having like a two D sketch. You know, it could literally be a really crude two D sketch, and we get sent those all the time. Um, and I want this made as a puppet. So then we'd develop that and we'd sculpt it. It's um, it's a real mix of of ways of kind of approaching a make really. Um, and it's quite it's quite fun to have a variety of different ways. So once you've been given that sort of drawing as you or video, um, and then ha- and you say you start by sculpting, what happens mm. after that? Well, it depends. It can it can change, but the norm seems to be that. So we'll either sculpt it physically or it'll be in the computer, which will then divvy up and break it into parts where we think that the joints will be and everything. And then quite often we will take patterns from the 3D form. We'll either print the bits out or have the sculpt and take patterns from that and then rebuild it in a lightweight uh, plasterzate or something like that and uh, and scale it up at the pattern stage to whatever size it needs to be and then start trying to work the, the sort of the skeleton and how the joints are going to work which oh that's so hard um shoulders in particular yes. are extraordinarily Com- hard complicated oh. yeah, yeah really hard joints there, um knees and elbows and wrists and ankles generally quite straightforward it's the hips and shoulders and the head is uh, a tricky one. And then also you, with like traditional uh, sort of theatre puppets, you've got to think about the handles and how it's going to be held and operated at yeah. this at this point as well, because you need to stuff, build in the strength for their for the handle to be attached to it to support the whole weight of the puppet. And you know, once you've started adding batteries for lights and all sorts of jazzy think, things, it re- yeah. the weight does build and that's something you have to be very aware of but i think the, the the thing that always is paramount is the performance side of things really is that the, how the performer is going to use whatever you're making and that's that takes precedent over everything else that it's if, if it's a suit it's got to be comfortable yeah. to wear it's got to be fit for purpose yeah exactly that that's kind of i think it's always that and then we kind of almost work from that um with, with regards to like the handles and stuff like that it's you, yeah, balancing the balancing the weight of a, of a puppet so that mm. it can be manipulated yeah. by you know however many ergonomic because they're going to be doing it heavily. It's going to be used a lot. So I, I think when we're making puppets and and the suit it is all about make you making you're making an element, then you're testing. You're you're kind of constantly. I know Becky might have already said that she's not the best puppeteer, but when you're making something, you're constantly testing it all the mm. time, all the time. You're testing those joints. You're making sure it works. Um, and you, you kind of have to. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's, it's funny being in a creature 
department like on on star wars and also in, in dark crystal always trying things on you know there's always yeah. someone kind of walking around with this fat suit on or these big yeah. like odd feet but you, feet, but, you, but you that's a part of the making process you have to be able to test and make the make sure yeah. that it's comfortable to wear yeah and and sort of like the weight of something yeah is always really important and if you can't stand there and hold it up for the yeah why why should you expect someone else to do it yeah. you know it's um such it's such an interesting job and it's they're so interesting the way they're constructed and how has technology impacted how you guys work i think it's it's easy to think that uh, the introduction of cgi is, is bad for practical effects but i think now after doing and working on dark crystal it is all about the two departments visual effects and practical effects working together to come to a real kind of harmonious yeah beautiful because we we've been working on dark crystal where it was all it had you know it was all practical effects driven and we worked in unison with uh, the visual effects department mm. and they they were animating cgi characters in a puppety way they were developed the guys at dneg were developing like kind of rigs where they would move puppeteer that would then move the character to get the kind of a, a real kind of puppety look yeah. it's a bit difficult to well difficult I, for me I to think, explain um, but one of the negative things about cgi is that it gives it's not negative for everyone it's only negative for the puppet maker who wants to make the puppet mm-hmm. in that um it gives the director longer to make decisions so you know to make the puppet to be on set you need to know in advance what it is and how it's got to be done the cg can buy a lot more time because it can be done way later after yeah. the shoot's over and added in so yeah so quite often sometimes they're like oh we just can't decide what it's got to do so we'll do it in post which is absolutely fine when it works together though and you've got say for example you've got this lovely puppet moving beautifully and you've got all these rods poking out of it left right and center and puppeteers that need to be removed it's lovely it's the best of both worlds we've done a lot of work recently which is as i said we, we've kind of worked from a visual effects mm. character and then made a, a kind of physical puppet from that it's um i think you just have to embrace it really i mean we've i've learned a lot more digital kind of skills sculpting and cad engineering kind of software to and you have to you just have to embrace it and get on board and and let's it's, it's an amazing tool yeah it's really again it's, it's another tool and you you can't just kind of disregard because also you're still getting performers are still wearing CG suits and and kind of yeah, and move, movement stuff. is is a massive you know it informs character yeah. base um, things mm-hmm. so it's just about the two working together yeah. and it's exciting it's exciting to kind of change the, the dynamic and bring new technologies to particular art forms like making puppets um have been it's been around for hundreds of years and it's, it's kind of really encouraging that the advances in technology is still evolving puppetry um as an art form especially for, well from a making standpoint anyway yeah um, it's the next level isn't it yeah I was curious about how that technological aspect does impact you guys. Um, no, I think it's a really good question. It's yeah. it's it's a really it's a really helpful tool because otherwise you're hiding people behind trees and covered in leaves and stuff like that. And <laughs> if they can just stand there in a green suit and then get removed afterwards, brilliant. If you've got the budget for that. Yeah, yeah. If you, or if, <laughs> but if but as you say, you or you can be really inventive on a 
on set and yep. literally do what Becky said, hide hide people behind trees and under leaves. We've, yeah. I've got a friend of ours, puppeteer, sent us a, a picture of him. Hampstead Heath, and he was puppeteering this particular thing and he literally was covered in leaves to like yeah. kind of mask him out of the shot. And it's just, but that's what's so incredible with, with like working with puppets and stuff and it is being on set and you, again, like, that's what the puppeteers bring as well is their um, unique approach to look at a situation, see what they've got and how they can make it make work. It work. Exactly. It's the problem solving on set that then bring, brings another layer of, you know, challenge to, to what we do. Because also we, not only do we, we're in the workshop making the puppets, but when you get to travel them on to set, and again, you have to think on your feet and, you know, mm-hmm. take puppets apart so that they can work for specific shots. Yeah, very modular builds. Yeah, it's again, that kind of changes the way that we approach things. So. Yeah, it's it's really it's really fascinating. I think we've spent quite a lot longer talking about the whole process. Um, but yeah, um, so I'm just going to circle back to um your beginnings. How did you both get into the world in which you are currently in? Well, when I was very young, I helped my dad to build an Audrey Two puppet in the uh, garage for a production that my sister was in. Uh, we we built this Audrey Two out of a green sleeping bag and um, some hula hoops, and I loved it. I <laughs> uh, I just really enjoyed the process, and um, I didn't know that what I do is a job at all. I mean, we didn't have the internet or anything magical like that when I was a kid, and um, I fumbled around, not really knowing where to go or what to do for quite a long time. And I heard about—I don't know even how I heard about my degree at LCF. So I applied, um, but I didn't have art GCSE or art A level. Uh, just because my art teacher completely crushed me at school and I, I so I didn't choose them as options. So they, uh, they said, oh, bring your portfolio along to the interview at LCF. And, and I just didn't. I completely flummoxed it and just, uh, just didn't have that. So I didn't go. So then I took a year out and I worked in Habitat in Cheltenham in the lighting department. And they asked me after a while if I would like to train to become a manager, uh, which I was very flattered by. But I, it made me think, no, this isn't what I want to do. I'm going to reapply. So I made my own portfolio. I made a load of weird bits and pieces and made my way into London. And I, and I went to the interview and um, I couldn't believe it. They gave me a, a spot. So I had a brilliant time at LCF and still didn't really know how on earth to get a career or anything. I pretty much just thought I'd go home and work in Habitat again um, if I could get a job. And um, I managed to get some work experience on Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, which just happened. I was working in a pub and I bumped into a girl who used to do my course and she said, oh, you should write to them. And I did. I wrote a letter saying this is to Henson's, to Henson's yeah, uh, which was in Camden, which I had no idea. It was just up the road from where I was living. And I wrote the letter said, I'll make a good cup of tea. And so <laughs> I did. Uh, I spent my the entire Easter holidays of my final year at uni uh, working on Hitchhikers. And it was the most amazing experience. I learned so, so, so much on that. And then um, I went back to uni and the lovely people that I'd met on Hitchhikers recommended me to the crew on Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, um, who uh, Neil Scanlon was supervising. And um, they gave me a call and asked me if I wanted to go and assist them. And uh, I mean, I couldn't, I really couldn't believe it. I was just beyond ecstatic. So I went 
join those guys and then from there those those lovely people have recommended me for other jobs and and it's just kept on going like that and that is amazing about tea making skills (laughs) (laughs) i did did, just having having you know opportunities came your way and you and you took advantage of it didn't you You yeah kind of just jumped in and did it i was just so um keen and grateful to have been given that opportunity it was amazing absolutely amazing Mm. that is an amazing story I also the randomness of it as well the person you met in the pub as well so Susan Adams you know Susan she's a costume maker and um I was it was actually a guy her husband and uh, he was in there having a drink with his friend and I was saying them and then Susan joined them and she had this top on and it had this beautiful uh, script about costume and stuff and I just said to her oh, I know loads of people who'd love that top because of the costume part of LCF and Guy was really proud of her and he said, oh, she's just got a, a job on, on Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy at Henson's. And I was like, oh, my God, that's amazing. And she said, you should write to them. So I did. And because uh, I was good at working in a pub, I, um, <laughs> I'd done it for quite a few years. And, um, and I just wrote to lead for something like that. I mean, I, yeah, it, is, it was a huge pivotal moment in my life, I think. Yeah, it's a, that's an amazing story. And, um, <laughs> and also, it just takes... I think I probably mentioned this before it just takes one person to take a chance on you and it changes the whole trajectory of your life Mm. absolutely and I think that's quite nice about our industry that people are willing to take chances on people and give them that opportunity whether it be like work experience or you know just coming in to see something or yeah I think it's I think it's such a valuable part of what we do Mm. it's important to really when those opportunities do come to is really take advantage of them and do the best that you can yeah, because like Becky was saying, you never know what then that's going to lead on to. Yeah, it's definitely um, being open minded about everything. Oh, I was just happy to be there. Yeah, exactly. Having that sort of <laughs> that passion as well. Yeah. yeah. Um, Paul, what about you? I, well, we might have already uh, briefly talked about it. I did like Becky as, as a child. I'd uh, spend weekends with my my nan and granddad. We'd make um, dragons and knights kind of armor and stuff like that out of cardboard boxes and all sorts um so I'd always kind of been making always been drawing as a kid and then yeah decided to do an illustration degree I was lucky I had a few tutors that were kind of just encouraging me just to do what I wanted to do um I you know I, I was working with people that were amazing drafts people that could literally draw you know what they see in front of them on on paper and you know some incredible talents and Whereas I was always more 3D based and I had um, one of my tutors was a props maker and she was um, actually in in film industry at, at, at the time. And she was like, well, this is a this world does exist. And she would kind of show me all of this in, incredible kind of um, other people's work. And it just really inspired me then onto this kind of path of of making puppets and models and stuff like that. And I'd made we did an anim- animation um, part in the in the degree and i did did a few animations and then just really started to do more storytelling and character development and then that's kind of then spiraled into just yeah building loads of characters making puppets um i think we we shot a couple of kind of student films with me with some big kind of monster puppet being silly and yeah it kind of meant that i when i when i left uni even though i didn't do a specific costume degree the first job I got was for a, like a mascot making place and I made yeah character costumes for a bit and then started kind of venturing into kind of puppet making um, for kind of theatre shows and stuff and then it 
it just kind of went from there and like we like we spoke about recommended for other jobs and you kind of find yourself in a creature department on star wars and making kind of insane monsters and aliens and yeah you kind of pinch yourself and you ask how how did you get there um but you can look back and you go actually i did work quite hard to get there so but it's but it's like you say these when the opportunities come come along you've got to kind of reach out and grab them and and, and take them off It's interesting both your cases, how your formative years, childhood years kind of influenced what you do now. And it's kind of come full circle. (laughs) It's weird, like, because it seems so obvious at the time. It's like, well, you're always making stuff as kids. It's like, well, mum, dad, why didn't you tell me that? It's it's a massive pressure. I mean, I think my careers advisor said that I should be an air traffic controller which is one of the most dangerous suggestions I think I've ever heard. I'd be <laughs> appalling at it. Um, so <laughs> I, I'm just so glad that I don't have to do that. That would be far too... Um, that's a really random suggestion, but actually yeah. you said that. It's a very specific job that she's had in mind for you. But also, you strike me as someone quite calm, so I don't know if that's probably the head that you need for that very high-pressure job. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Becky, Becky calm, that's... Yeah, I mean, <laughs> no both really interesting stories and like I said it's amazing the opportunities you get given and then the ability to just take them and then also how your past experience has informed what you do now what are the highlights of your job I think like I mentioned earlier when you see whatever you've been making come to life and is is always quite amazing and then when you see something else whether it's a child or or another puppet relating to it and telling that story that you've built it to tell is um pretty special i think just like in general i can't believe that we're able to do what we do and get paid for it the fact that we enjoy our job i think is we are so lucky and it's a massive highlight (laughs) you know you get to do do something different every day and you get to work with brilliant people um that you love being around and then may sometimes sit on a stage or on the telly it is really exciting but on the flip side it's incredibly hard oh yeah it's, it's a hard job it's extraordinarily you know, hard work and hours and stuff like that. I, they will never have ladylike hands it's, <laughs> it's <just one> of- <laughs> But yeah, when you when you see that a, a particular character that you've slaved over and you've worried about for hours and hours and hours, and when you see it on the screen and you and it's believable and you've nailed it, it's, that's quite an incredible that's feeling. That's highlight. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's extremely gratifying to see mm. what you've made. Um, and also it's a running theme what you've said as well, the like the satisfyingness of it, but also the ability, the variety. I think everyone sort of said yeah. the variety of being able to do something different every day, and yeah. the fact that we love what we do because not. Yeah. Really- say that I think no, <laughs> no, no it's amazing amazing your husband and wife and you yeah. work together and obviously your spare time therefore is then spent together may not be spent together but it is I'm assuming spent together because you live together um <laughs> how is it being with each other in a work and life context you can choose not to answer it I'm going to ask it and if you don't want to that's totally cool <laughs> no it's absolutely fine I, I've got a feeling Becky's answer would be very different to mine <laughs> Oh, maybe I, you go first. Well, I, I know I'm I'm a little obsessive about about work. Really, I'm I'm kind of I just it's it's because it's it's a hobby and a passion that's that's it now gone into so a career, and it does mean a lot to me, definitely. And um, but Becky's very good at telling me to stop, leave that at work. We we stop now. We're at home or or whatever. Sometimes you get these ideas, and you're like, oh, I know, I, I could do it like that. And they're like, yes. And Becky would be like, yes, yeah, we'll, we'll talk about it when we, you know, tomorrow. When we're at work. I'm like, okay, cool. 
I think my answer's going to be better. Is it? Go on then. <laughs> so um, when Paul and I first met, we were making this 10-foot ogre on um, essentially two tiny little Ikea tables. Oh, yeah. And um, it was incredibly intense, but I was so, I mean, he was such a joy to work with and um, so skilled. And I just was like, this guy's ace. And um, anyway, we, it 10 years later it it's lovely because I get to work with my best friend and then we get to uh you know shout at each other in the garden at the weekend (laughs) trying to do the gardening but um it's great because we do have a shorthand we know what the other person's thinking we can finish each other's sentences and also you tell me when I'm wrong and again I also can tell Paul when he's wrong and I think I appreciate when I know that Paul's going to know the better answer to a question and vice versa you yeah. when sometimes occasionally I know best and uh... <laughs> it's, I, I think it's we because our relationship actually stemmed from working together that we don't have it's not an issue I know mm. we, we speak to friends of ours and they're like oh no how could you work together? I couldn't work with my wife and you know that, it would mm. never work we'd argue all the time and and yeah there's you know we have differences of opinion over ways to kind of make things but I think that's important mm. you need yeah. to you need to kind of challenge each other and, and question your approach because when your approach makes you can do it so many different ways oh, and so many and and you need and it's good to have someone that's looking out for you can appreciate your perspective on things but then can say well what about this and and you totally get what they're saying like with the shorthand thing yeah yeah it's it's working pretty well i think think that's a lovely answer (laughs) better than mine yeah Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) i was gonna say no both of you both complimented each other it's like, B, B, I've had this idea. I'm like, I don't want to know. I don't want to know. Tell me tomorrow. Write it down. Tell me tomorrow. <laughs> Knowing when to switch off, I guess, is important as well. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the passion. Um, now, you guys, like you say, you end up testing the stuff that you're making. Have there been occasions when you've been in the puppet or had to feature as part of a film or maybe less of a theatre, but maybe more so a film? You end up having to, a part of you is featured in a film where if you watch it you're like oh yeah that's Becky's hand or that's Paul's hand <laughs> I haven't yeah. yeah I mean it does happen now and again on my first day of working on Dark Shadows I um, got pulled to one side by the we, we were in the uh, prosthetics department creature department and um yeah prosthetic creatures everything in there Joel Harlow who was our supervisor we were marching up to Paul. So Paul had I've come never in. Met the guy. He'd come in to be a fabricator. You know, there was a role there for him to facilitate. <laughs> and Joel came over, shook his hand, started looking at his hand. I was like, what's going on here? And uh, he said, oh, hi, 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 nice to meet you, Paul. Um, fancy being Johnny Depp's hand double. And I, I was like, oh, God. Where, what? And uh, <laughs> before we know it, Paul's gone a week's worth of night shoots with prosthetics on his fingers. Yeah, I'd literally come in to do a specific yes. job and I got whisked away. So the application was a man, set. a man down because he was being um, Johnny Depp's hand double yeah. in the evenings. It was, a, it was a bizarre turn of events, yeah. really. Um, yeah, it was. I remember it being quite cold, actually, as well. Yes. And I'd, I'd, have, I'd, I'd go... Um, I think the first thing that they did was put these finger extensions on me and a f- full makeup on, on the arms and stuff. And then I'd have to spend the whole evening like it, <laughs> which is bizarre. It was, it was mad, but it was a real eye-opener 
to to you know sit there's not many people that get to sit in a you know a chair and have Joel Harlow applying makeups to you know he's an award-winning makeup artist and um it was insane and you just have to just go along with it really and you know it's, it was a crazy time but it was a real interesting first couple of weeks into that job anyway it was crazy but I mean sometimes you you can be on set and you're I've done yeah, loads of, um, puppeteering and stuff on Dark Crystal I came in and held a rod and did a bit of this oh, and yeah. that there it was it's the occasional time that you might be needed for, for certain things um it's very rare but it's quite exciting I think that's a really cool story. I'm I'm Johnny Depp's hand double. Well, yeah. I mean, it was only for a week, but it still counts, right? <laughs> you got your 15 minutes of screen time, right? So maybe less than 15 minutes. Yeah. Oh, um, either way, a very cool story. And um, what inspires you guys? Absolutely everything. It's true. Yeah. Like, so we've. We've had our rescue dog Ivy for nearly two years now and I didn't think how much she would inspire me like with character design because we we get out a lot and we go for walks yeah. and she's being out and about amongst like nature her, and her stuff like that. Life is quite yeah. incredible. But then also you know when you're making a leg you sort of wave her leg around yeah. a little bit see how it moves it's quite but, <laughs> but it is like absolutely everything everything kind of whenever we find you know like a little something that moves yeah and joints on things joints on cupboards and yeah. like, oh, look at this. just sort of figuring out how stuff works and just to sort of like oh that's interesting mm. I wonder how they thought that up textures on things and where just ways of doing stuff different approaches yeah also I mean we I mean, went we went to Japan was, um yeah. for a big trip to look at uh puppetry and and the, the way of life and I mean it was such an amazing trip it was quite an exhausting trip actually because there was so much visual stimulation and it was but it's just quite overwhelming yeah yeah it was just a rich kind of cultural heritage and, yeah. and the artwork I mean inspirations that you know other artists and you know, contemporaries and stuff um, yeah absolutely and pe- people that we work with yeah really inspirational yeah everyone there's a lot of people that have their own sideline you know they sculpt their own things they do their own paintings and stuff like that we're, we're quite lucky actually to be exposed to to all of that mm. yeah I, that must be really joyous actually because in the department within which you work you do there are so many different um skills there different mm it's not just one specific thing there's so many different things going on around you as well that must be super inspiring mm. yeah yeah i mean when i remember on rogue one i went in uh on the first day of uh, joining the creature department and just blown away by the guys that were designing all these these creatures and then being able to talk to them about it um yeah it's you know a bit of a dream come true kind of working on the the star wars franchise and and yeah chatting to the guys and seeing these kind of aliens being sculpted and you know insane um level of craftsmanship involved yeah Yeah. sometimes you have to refrain from geeking out too much you don't (laughs) be like whoa stop being so intense like because you're just like i just want to go and ask them how they've done that oh because you just (laughs) the first for knowledge there are so many processes and departments that are all so specialist it's when they all come together it's amazing yeah and I think um, as long as we kind of have that sort of curiosity about what we do I think it's really lovely because it means that we're passionate about what we do and we enjoy what mm-hmm. we do and ultimately the end product will be something amazing inevitably yeah, yeah. brings me on to my last question and my favorite question actually which I say every week um what are your three favorite to watch recommendations I don't know how you've divvied it up but I'll hear them all 
They are they're pretty similar. Um, yeah. <laughs> you know, we're, we're similar in age and we grew up in a similar time. So um, I think we both <laughs> terrified and inspired by Willow, which is. Yeah, have you seen, seen Willow? It's I haven't so, seen Willow. Uh, Ron Howard. Ron Howard. It's got um, Warwick Davies is plays the kind of lead um, with Val Kilmer. Never heard. It's oh. like it's like a medieval. Um, it's like witches in it and kind of. Yeah, it's a real fantastical story. Yeah. Um, so much happens, and to watch it at a young age, I completely believed that those the death dogs, which are sort of Rockweilers wearing fur suits and rubber masks and charge. I just believe they were real and um, absolutely terrifying. It had a massive effect on on me, and I, it's such an amazing story. We love that one. You recommend it? Um, it's a brilliant film. Again, it was of a certain era, which is all of our favourites. A kind of eighties, late eighties film, and the kind of where they're really pushing practical effects. And yeah, there's a real was it naivety to them, or is it just it's just a fantastical kind of? I suppose they're, they're very early. Yeah. Um, but they they really hold up. Yeah. I mean. It's, to me, it's a bit more real because I know that it actually pretty much happened rather than just completely imagined in a computer. Yeah. Um, I need to add that to my list. Yes. Yeah. Uh, our next one is The Princess Bride. Definitely an, of the same era and vibe, both in the, another film that we watched when we were kids. Also terrifying. Absolutely. <laughs> is it, I do it with, in that particular film, it, it's got a real mixture of, of humour. Yeah. Um, and again, it's kind of um, what would you say? There's a fantastical kind of wizardy yeah. kind of vibe to it. Whole magical, world. magical. Is this where she gets kidnapped? Yeah, yeah. Okay, Robin, I have seen it. Robin Wright Penn. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. She gets kidnapped, and there's but again, there's the there's, rodents of unusual yeah, there's, size there's in, the, in, that. Yeah, all that. in the swamp fire swamp scene. There's a yeah, a rodent in it. It's actually a guy in a in a in a rat suit. There's a scene where they they fight. I thought it was real. I really did when I was. <laughs> it was terrifying. Um. So yeah, that's that's an important film in our lives. Oh. Another one is um, Little Shop of Horrors, which is. Have you seen that? Oh, I'm really bad. Come on. I know. I'm really sorry. <laughs> we need to watch this um, one for sure. <laughs> that is again. It's like it's kind of was made in the eighties. Involves heavily a, a puppet which was um produced by the henson's workshop henson's, and it was also department. directed by frank odds who performed yoda and oh. many other hugely important characters which, it's so hard to pick your favorite three i think but an, another one i would just say this yeah. as well jurassic park is massive in, in both of our kind of it was huge lives and it doesn't still inspire us now that like the first one was like 27 years ago i think it was made 27 wow. years ago I and have seen that film up. now, I have to say. Oh, I've seen good. it. Good. Um, <laughs> yeah, 27 years ago. I remember going to see it at the cinema. Um, my brother um, actually won a competition in the local newspaper to get tickets, because otherwise my mum and dad wouldn't have taken us, because it would be far too scary. Uh, he won because no one else had entered. Um, it <laughs> <laughs> uh, was a question about dinosaurs. He was obsessed. Anyway, so we went to see it, and just that that opening sequence just terrified me and and him and it's such an amazing film and that they they built those dinosaurs and it's just amazing yeah it's a real mixture of practical and and, and cg effects but like real groundbreaking at, at the time and still yeah still is really. amazing 
I think um, it's still stand up today. Someone else has also said Jurassic Park was a very formative film. Yeah. Uh, film life. It is brilliant. It's just epic. Yeah. So. You guys, there's a running theme throughout your um, picks. Very orientated around what you do. So it makes sense you're inspired by those films. Um, I mean, we love all sorts of films. I, I adore films. And I think to try and pick just yeah. a few is really hard. But I think these have definitely had an impact on me. And I I've, think also that I I know I've watched these over and over and over again. Yeah, they, they, stand, the, they stand the test of time. I will be adding the three others to my... Well, I've seen the... I kind of think I'm going to say I've seen The Princess Bride. I think someone else I spoke to, like, you've never seen any of the films that anyone talks about. And to be fair, I haven't most of the time. <laughs> I'm, a very, I'm very uneducated in the film department. Clearly, I've got a lot of watching to do. <laughs> I think I think you know I've listened to quite a few of them and quite often I'm like oh god I've never well I've got I've got friends of mine that are massively into horror and uh, they're like oh, have you seen this like no have you seen <laughs> this no you're not a fan of a scary um, movie no, though, are you? no nor am I really not the horror stuff that they play um, yeah yeah I'm really really bad this made me think I really need to up my game in terms of what I'm consuming um thank you Becky and Paul for your recommendations and thank you for coming on the podcast it's been super super it's been a pleasure it's good to see you it was lovely thank you thank you for listening and I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Becky and Paul tune to the next episode where I'll be speaking to first assistant sound Kate Morath and if you get a moment could you please like follow or subscribe on your podcast platform and follow the crew chats podcast on Instagram thank you